And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to Talk of the Tune, a Newcastle United podcast. My name is Will and this week I'm joined by my good pals and co-hosts, Ali and Gray. Ahari, lads. Hello, hello. Very good. How are you doing? Very well, indeed. Thank you very much. No Hodgie this time. I don't know what his excuse was, actually. He just said he wouldn't be watching the match. It was very curious, wasn't it? Just like, yeah, I wouldn't be able to watch the match, so over to you guys. Yeah, it was very ominous. What's more important than watching Newcastle on a Saturday? Well, maybe you should stop watching us because one of the best games I've seen in a, in a while yesterday with him not watching. So maybe he's a bad luck charm. Who knows? But yeah, no Hodge this week. Ali stepping in as the substitute co-host that you are. How has your weekend been? Uh, not too bad. I have just come back from a Chris, the local Christmas market in my area. Oh. Although I don't like to feel festive late November. I'm more of a mid-December kind of guy. But yeah, it was good. No mulled wine as of yet, but... Uh... Maybe have a little couple tonight. Oh, get you on a Sunday night. Lovely. Oh, I know, woof. It's <laughs> crispy. I'll tell you what, speaking of woof, I have not got any dog toys in this room and I've locked myself in a different room today. Good. And there is no dog, so I say there's no dog. I won't be playing with any dog toys today. <laughs> I was going to say, the weirdest thing is you don't even have a dog, Ali. Very strange. <laughs> Christmas seems to be getting earlier and earlier every single year. I don't really feel I'm in the festive spirit until at least the 1st of December. I don't know about you, Gray. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Although I have just been sat on the sofa with a fire on watching The Grinch. So that does kind of make it feel a little bit Christmassy, doesn't it? You're a walking contradiction, lad. What have you been up to this weekend apart from sitting on the couch watching The Grinch? So, well, at the match yesterday. Of course. Been to Rabbi Castle today. Oh, yeah. Near Darlington, Barnard Castle away. So, yeah, it'd be very nice. And talking of Christmas, it was very Christmassy there. So it was starting to feel a bit more Christmassy. Very nice indeed. What have you been up to? Oh, I'm getting more used to that. Left pause for question back. It wasn't even me. Yeah, yeah I don't think Grace ever done it before. This is a momentous occasion. Well, you know, because Hodge did it last time, <laughs> so now I need to up my game a little bit. <laughs> Otherwise I will get sacked. Yeah, what have I been up to? Well, since the last recording, we had a, an offer accepted on a flat. Ali, I don't think you even know this, do you? No. Well, offer accepted on a flat. There you go. So doing lots of ad mini bits for that and went to see Napoleon in the cinema yesterday, which was meh, kind of okay. A decent watch, but not great. But I'm a big Napoleon fan. So yeah, it wasn't great for me, but 
probably worth a watch. No spoilers. Uh, the guy introducing it in the fucking Everyman Cinema came out beforehand. Was like, here's the exits. La la la. Good practice. Turn your phones off. And also, you know, this is the fourth day that it's out. So please refrain from letting out any spoilers. I'm just like, what the fuck? It was history. <laughs> what the fuck? How can you have spoilers? It fucking happened 200 years ago, you dipshit. <laughs> but there you go. Got a few giggles in the cinema. But yes, watching the match yesterday, that's probably the most momentous occasion of the whole weekend. So I don't think hopes were high coming into this one, but certainly from my perspective, after the 2-0 loss just before the international break. Two weeks off in the hope that we get some of our injury-plagued players back fit and ready for the Chelsea game. Obviously, Bruno served as one match suspension, but coming into the match, Gray, you were there. We were welcoming our record signing Alexander Isaac back, and he made a big difference from the offset, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, just nice to have a out-and-out number nine back in the side and a, a goal scorer. I mean, they seem to take it in turns, don't they, Isaac and Wilson? So... Hopefully he can keep up that goal scoring form. But I mean, like you, I was really nervous because I just didn't know what was going to happen at all yesterday. And I think the international break came at a really good time for us who are on probably a bit of a downward trajectory while Chelsea had seemed to hit a bit of momentum and were getting a few big results. So I think it was great timing for us. Yeah, let's get it right. We've uh, we've absolutely smashed Chelsea 4-1 in the end yesterday at St. James's Park. A 10-man in the end, Chelsea with Rhys James getting sent off, but the game was pretty much done and dusted by that point anyway. The starting lineup, Ali, I think late fitness checks on a few players. As we've said, Isaac back in the team, which is huge for us, means Anthony Gordon can go back to his left wing. Unfortunately, Joe Willock seems to have aggravated his Achilles injury, which meant he dropped out, but Lewis Miley came back into the team. And then at the back, we had the same four that we've had for the last couple of games, a Livermento on the left and, and Trippier on the right. Probably the biggest talking point was Willock being out, which was such a shame, but Lewis Miley came in. And I think in the last recording, we'd said the Bournemouth game, he'd done what he needed to do, which was making those sideways passes, being in the right position. But we all felt collectively as if he kind of had something missing from his game and needed to impact the game more, whether that's tracking back or going forward. And boy, did he, racking up his first assist for Newcastle United on his first game at home at St. James's Park in the Prem. He had a really good game, didn't he? Yeah, I thought he did. I think he's the fifth youngest player to ever create an assist with like 17 years and 208 days or something like that. So uh, quite an impressive stat for him. But yeah, I thought he stepped up really well, really slotted in nicely between Joe Linton and Bruno. I think the vision that he had to pass that ball to Isaac, you could have had 20 different professional footballers between the ages of 25 to 30 with bounds of experience. And most of them probably wouldn't have spotted that pass. So yeah, really happy to see Miley have that big impact. But yeah, again, really happy to see Isaac on the pitch as well. Very cool in front of goal once again, but that's what he brings to the game. Controls it very well and gets it out of his feet for the first goal. Good positioning from him. Yeah. And a good pass from Miley, as you say, but Kukurea, I don't know what he's doing, keeping him on the side there, but thank you very much, Kukurea. It's Kukurea, and I don't think he knows what he's doing half the time. No, he doesn't. <laughs> He just looks absolutely bonkers, doesn't he, with that hair? And then when he runs around, he just looks like a headless chicken. A few points to come on to, but I mean, overall in the first half, we can kind of brush over it other than kind of the, the points of controversy. The main one probably being the foul, in inverted commas, on Raheem Sterling from Kieran Trippier that led to the free kick that Sterling slotted away really well, actually. Mm. It was a hell of a free kick to get that down and on target from where he was. 
was really good impressive. free kick. I didn't know he had that in his locker either. I didn't know he was a good set piece taker. Shiri scored one against us before a few years ago. Probably known the little. That's probably testing my memory. Little scrappy do legs. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that the the contentious point was probably the foul on Sterling. What did it feel like in the ground, Gray? It was like one of those. It was at the opposite corner to ours, uh, so it's quite hard to tell. But it just looked very soft, and you could tell by Trippier's reaction that he felt it was very soft, and then to get booked for it as well. It just felt like it wasn't quite right. And Sterling has a little bit of a reputation, hasn't he, for going down quite softly. And it did happen a couple of times in the game. She will touch on another one. Mm. But yeah, obviously seeing it live at a distance, it felt very, very soft. It was. I think that was my feeling too. Ali, you were watching on the television as well. You've got to give it to the Chelsea player. If it was anyone else, if it was one of our players in that position, you'd be telling him to go down. You'd be you'd be wanting him to win that free kick. Objectively, do you think it was a free kick? Yeah, I think having had the luxury of having the highlights and I could watch a couple of replays, there was a slight push in the back from Trippier. So I really can argue to say that it wasn't a free kick. I thought it was. When I watched it real time, I, yeah. 50-50, but with the replays, definitely a free kick. And uh, yeah, Sterling pulled out the locker and slotted it. Well, actually, to be fair, I say slotted it. It wasn't really either corner. It was rather central. Um, but yeah, Nick Pope was very much rooted to the spot and didn't make much of an effort to save it. No, it's one of them ones you just can't, can you? Which no. is annoying. Great, we nearly had a an opportunity to kind of fire back straight away from a, an excellent Kieran Trippier corner that Joe Linton... Should probably hang his head for missing at the far post. It's been a bit of a broken record, Joe Linton, with uh, headers at the minute, <laughs> hasn't it? He's missed two or three almost identical ones, and it just felt like at Dortmund, you're just like, oh no, this is going to come back and bite us. And like, these are chances we really need to be scoring. But I did see that one at half time uh, in, in the stadium. And to let him off a little bit, I'm not sure it would have been given because. Bruno did have a good hold of Sanchez. So whether VAR would have overturned it or not, but regardless of the fact, he's got to be scoring from there. I mean, he did so well to make the space and get away from the corner just to get that free header. And it doesn't really matter where you put it, does it? When you've got that much space, you just need to hit the target. But I mean, yeah, he certainly needs to work on his close range heading, I think. Yeah, I think he was trying to do too much with it, trying to get it at a bit of an angle where he should have just fucking hit it straight on and just planted it straight at the goal. At that speed coming in, with that amount of power, it's going to be a struggle for any goalkeeper to stop that. Like, So yeah, I absolutely love Joe Linton, but yeah, a couple of occasions that the game against Dortmund at 1-0, when he could have made it 1-1 in a very similar position, he's not converted that one. You'd think with a guy of his build and his height and his strength that he should be quite a good header of the ball. And typically when he's trying to win it in the middle of the park, he is, but just need to work on that accuracy a, a little bit. But fortunately, that wasn't going to be the deciding moment of the game. Would have left a, a very bitter taste in the mouth if it had been because we came out completely invigorated in the second half and Chelsea just seemed to get lost in the moment. They were like deers in the headlights for me. I don't know what... Eddie Howe gave them at half time in the orange slices alley, but by heck, did we did we really hit them hard from the offset? And I don't know whether that's just because we were playing very well or whether it's just because Chelsea were very poor. 
because they yeah they were really lackluster in the second half I thought Chelsea but yeah obviously we then got a goal I think it was in the 60th minute and then 90 seconds later we got our own Puskas goal of the award when Joe Linton smashed it about eight yards out <laughs> I don't know what it is with an Eddie Howe halftime team talk but they always just seem to go that extra gear up I feel and then tend to bury the game which obviously we saw yesterday with 1-1 and then obviously ending up 4-1 uh, but yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but I think Eddie Howe has obviously got the, the Midas touch when it comes to his halftime team talks. Too right. And whatever result it is, really looking back on it, I don't think it's quite sunk in for me yet, given how low my expectations were going into the game. But the second half, obviously, Jamal Lascelles makes it 2-1, which was really nice to see because it was ultimately his mistake that led to the first Chelsea goal, you've got to say, because I think he gave it away that had Sterling running onto the goal and Trippier obviously had to make that challenge. But what great play from Anthony Gordon on that left-hand side to play it in and Jamal Lascelles in all the space in the world to fire at home in an Alan Shearer-esque header grey. It was a really nice moment for him. That's exactly what I said after we saw the replay. I was just like, that was Shearer-esque. Yeah, I mean, great moment for him, but we'd be absolutely slating him today if the results had been the other way around and he didn't get that goal. It was a very below-par performance from him, especially given current weeks when he's been been an absolute rock, uh, especially defensively, and he's made very, very few mistakes. We know he's not the best ball-playing centre-back, but he's got it in him to make those quick, simple passes, and that's what he's done so well, so consistently while Botman's been out. But it was just a shame for him to, like you mentioned, lose the ball for that Sterling goal. But I mean, when he's in that much space in the box for a header, you back your house on it. Uh, he's mm. he scored a few before. He's just so dominant in that position. Joe Linton could learn a, a thing or two from him, I think. There's a couple of bits as well, like Jamal Lascelles, we know he's not the strongest on the ball. Nick Pope as well, not the strongest on the Ooh, ball. Yeah, he seems to just be getting worse with the ball at his feet, not better, yeah. which is very strange. Shot stopping, probably one of the best goalkeepers in the world, I would say. The, some of the just instinctive cat-like saves he's made over the last couple of years. And again, yesterday, I think when Enzo Fernandez had a shot on goal yeah. at the near mm. post and he palmed it away, fantastic save given that he'd been going the other way. Shot stopping, absolutely fantastic. With his feet, really poor. Distribution, really poor. Jamal Lascelles as well, he was getting quite brave yesterday and starting to kind of push out from that back line, push out from that four and try and progress the ball up the pitch at his feet, which we know obviously Fabian Scher is very good at, but Lascelles doesn't quite have that in his locker. So it concerns me, Ali, what are your thoughts on the feet work and the confidence with ball at feet with those two individuals? Well, I feel like if you're part of a centre-back pairing with Fabian Scher and you see him making these mazy runs you're thinking i want a piece of this pie i'm gonna do my own little (laughs) you know wonder up the pitch and try and smash it from like 30 yards out but yeah sadly that's just not jamal lascelles we're used to seeing him being an absolute rock at the back and not taking it out from the back up the field because yeah what he did yesterday he's not strong with his feet he's got other attributes that are better for him but yeah taking up the field isn't one of them Um, But I still thought that yesterday he had a good game overall, apart from that one blip. But yeah, I thought we were quite steady at the back throughout the whole game, especially with Tino at left back. 
Feel good games being generous. I'm really sorry. I really do. <laughs> I, think I think it was one of the worst games I've seen him have in a black and white shirt. But I do think he was carrying a bit of an injury. No, I agree. And I do, like I say, I do use it lightly. I just think overall, I think he obviously wanted to prove himself because he knew that he fucked up at that point. Getting very brave, getting that far up the pitch, but thankfully did in that instance and, and buried at home. I'm just going to tweet at the minute. We'll come on to it a bit later, but... Um... Bruno Guimaraes, when asked about Lewis Miley, said, Lewis Miley is a massive star. When I was 17 years old, I was shit. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So let's hope he has a good uh, a good path ahead of him, Lewis Miley, and he's got a good team of players around him to kind of nurture that talent. But it was a mad 90 seconds after that, though. So obviously Jamal Lascelles puts his 2-1 up. And Thiago Silva, 39, 38 years old, has been one of the best centre-halves in the world. In the first half, I think it somehow managed to kick the ball backwards out of play when trying to kick it up the pitch and then just had a moment of madness when he kicked the ball into the ground when he was trying to pass it back to Sanchez. Joe Linton straight onto it. <laughs> he nearly burst the ball. He hit it that hard uh, when it was just one-on-one with him and Sanchez makes it 3-1. I don't know if you saw it, Gray, but the passion from Joe Linton after scoring that goal was unreal. I didn't quite realise that was his first goal of the season, but good to have him off on his way this season. I think we had only just sat down after celebrating the first goal and in a bit of shock when that happened, especially from well, a mistake coming from Silva, who we all know is pretty solid. Yeah, just really pleased with that. I can't believe that's his first goal of the season as well. Crazy, isn't it? He must have scored. Oh, I, yeah, I can't remember. He scored so many goals, I'm almost shocked that he hasn't scored. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's his first goal of the season, but it was it was a good one. And really feeds in Ali and I we've talked about this a lot when we've been down the pub but that high press as well really played off and it's the pressure that leads to Thiago Silva kind of I don't know he ended up kicking the ground in the end I think and the ball just bobbles up and, and sets him up nicely but there's three Newcastle United players there that were ready to pounce on and take that advantage but there was no way he was giving that one away and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's so good to have him back in that team, kind of in force in the middle of the park. I think that's where it was really won yesterday for us. You know, we talked against Bournemouth about losing that midfield battle, and by far we were the second best team. Mm. You're up against Enzo Fernandez. How much was he? 130 million or something? You've got Moises Caicedo on the bench, 115. You've got all this talent, Gallagher as well, in the middle of the park. But they were absolutely bossed by Joe Linton, Bruno, and 17-year-old Lewis Miley, weren't they, Ali? They were, yeah. I definitely thought against Bournemouth, we were really missing Bruno. And I think there are stats out there to show Bruno's involvement when he starts, when he doesn't start, compared to when we win and don't win. 
So having Bruno back is completely vital. And I thought he was a huge factor for us getting the 4-1 win yesterday. Looking at his heat map, he was just all over the pitch. He was amazing. Yeah, he was just fantastic. Similar with Joe Linton, obviously, apart from the missed header, you know, he was up pressurising all the Chelsea back line and in the midfield as well. Yeah, really showing his strength in the midfield. And then, as you say, yeah, Lewis Smiley, he would look like the £110 million player, you know, mm-hmm. not Enzo Fernandez. So, uh, yeah, to see him at such a young age, bossing a very experienced Chelsea midfielder is really refreshing to see, and especially just a, a lad from Stanley. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's absolute madness, isn't it, really? And it's so nice to see talent coming through the ranks, as we said last time as well, especially with, I think there was three players again made their debuts yeah. yesterday admittedly it was of circumstance it wouldn't be eddie howe's choice to be putting them on but when you fall one up at the end might as well throw the kids on for a bit of experience and make their debut but yeah great i think it was probably one of bruno's best games for us in that position when he first came in the first six months i felt like he would played further up the pitch and that's where he was getting a few goals towards the end of the season but he kind of seems to have taken a bit of a deeper position now and he just completely marshaled the game I thought he was everywhere, as Ali said, he was fantastic. Yeah, and a new shiny haircut to to boot as well. I'm pretty sure I said a few episodes ago, I wish Joe and Bruno would go back to when they had the iced out hair because they were fantastic when they had that. Look, they've done it now. I've just (laughs) smashed Chelsea 4-1. I'm a genius. And they've both had hell of a game. So certainly teams who have been playing in that new role, like that deeper lying role. And yeah, one of the first games, I've actually felt that he had a bit more control and was able to pull the strings a bit more. But I also think that we've got to give a huge amount of credit to Miley. Yeah. We didn't necessarily slate him, but we said that he didn't do much wrong, but needed to almost influence that game a little bit more. And it just seems to have developed so much since that Bournemouth game, just the way he took hold of the game and actually managed to make some really key passes and... Yeah, it was just exactly what we needed at this time. And it just helped us dominate that midfield, like you say. And when you could look at some of the names in that Chelsea midfield compared to Joe Linton, who two years ago was a centre forward who couldn't hit a barn door. And now we've got him playing in midfield, a 17-year-old. We've got obviously world-class player in Bruno, but you compare that to Chelsea's squad. And you just look at those names and you think, yeah, they should beat most midfields in the league and be more competitive. And they just didn't seem to turn up yesterday. He played a very similar role to a Sean Longstaff yesterday, Lewis Miley. So maybe that's just the future of Geordie football. That kind of put the miles in, make the simple passes, do the simple work and pop up with a good contribution every once in a while. But yeah, obviously it was his first full Premier League game against Bournemouth. He's got that under his belt now. And I thought that really showed against Chelsea because what we talked about last time, maybe that cutting edge that was missing. I still think he's a bit weak going backwards in that ball winning aspect. He's good at like second ball, anticipating where the second ball is going to be so he can quickly move the ball out of danger areas and progress it up the pitch. But he's not your, I don't think you're tackling midfielder, like a ball winning midfielder. He doesn't strike me as one of those, but yeah, really impressed with him and some of the the other younger talent we've got coming through the team as well. Talking of younger talent, Golden Boy continues to shine this season. Anthony Gordon, another goal and another assist for him. Fantastic assist, cutting in from that left-hand side where he's been able to go back to for Jamal Lascelles' goal. And then, boy oh boy, what a goal the fourth one was. Read the, the offside trap perfectly. 
I can't remember who it was that plays it. It might be Bruno. It was Almiron, I think. Was it maybe? Because he did like a he did like a, a Trevelli pass from the outside of his boots. Ooh, Trevelli. Trevelli. I was going to say the Trevi Fountain, mate, but I thought that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there, mate. Um, but yes, he dinks the ball over the top and finds Gordon, who's timed his run perfectly, as I say. Gordon's still got a long way to move up the pitch, and he's got two or three players to beat. Chops inside and a really, really nice finish. Was that just the cherry on top of the cake for you, Gray, in the end? I can't remember who I went to last time, but we'll both, uh, we'll both um, come in on Gordon. I mean, I thought the cherry was James getting sent off, especially after <laughs> he stupidly got booked for kicking the ball away in the first oh, half. Ridiculous. And found himself in a position yet to, to make the foul. And yeah, just what you do when you're 3-1 down, like, you know, you just don't get in the way because you're inevitably going to get sent off. But yeah, I mean, that... James probably freed up a bit of space for us. It was just a clinical finish. And a lot of people saying Gordon doesn't look like a number nine. But I mean, that would make a lot of people second guess because <laughs> it was just so calm. And like I say, just read the offside trap. Great little ball in. I can't remember who it was. But if it was Miggy, then yeah, just unreal. There's a lot of teams I like beating in the league. And Chelsea are certainly up there at the, near the top of the list. And just, yeah, great day out and just love, love to see it. Five goals in 12 games. It's one thing we were desperately calling out for last season, I think, when we're doing our end of season review, was we're missing goals from this team from all over the pitch and relying too heavily on your Wilsons and your Isaacs. Good to see Gordon chipping in. Be good to have Harvey Barnes back to give us a bit more depth and chip in with hopefully about 10 goals a season type of player. Is there anything Gordon can't do this season, Ali? He's just been fantastic, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Well, I mean, we've obviously just been touching on Gordon's kind of attacking play. But as you say, he can do it all because his defensive work is second to none again. What I really like watching about Gordon is that he's also quite similar to Miggy in that sense because I thought both Gordon and Miggy in that way were very, very good yesterday. Chelsea have got two very attacking fullbacks in James for the 70 minutes he was there. And I thought, obviously, when Kukurea and Rhys James were running up the pitch, Gordon and Almiron were quick to track back and make sure that they were covering them as well. And I think that obviously helped with keeping the, you know, the score sheet from a Chelsea point of view down. Because, yeah, they're quite dangerous when they get those crosses in. Mm. But solely focusing on Gordon, yeah, I thought he really kind of epitomises us as a football team. You know, just putting the effort in and just making that one tackle celebrating it that's what we like to see just the effort of tracking back and playing for the black and white shirt so yeah really really happy for him yesterday to get a goal and an assist and an assist to the assist pre-assist we like to call it yeah exactly but it's what what annoys me though and you know i always like to make one comment about the international break even though i'm so pleased this one's over because it was so boring is rashford has probably got 10 games or something and he's only got one goal and one assist and then you look at Gordon who roughly similar game and has five goals and four assists just the return that you get from a 40 million pound player which in this market is very very good especially at his age yeah we've we've just robbed Everton of a fantastic player there was a debate going on because obviously Cole Palmer has just been called up to the England and international team hasn't he and yeah he did absolutely fuck all yesterday. He was nowhere to be seen. I'm not taken away from the fact he's had a good start to the season, but most of his goals have come from penalties yeah. and not open play. And you've got Cole Palmer in the team ahead of 
Anthony Gordon, who's arguably one of the best players in the entire league this season. That one doesn't make much sense for me. So hopefully Gareth Southgate's watching is probably just the Chelsea influence. But yeah, there was no question who was the better of the two on the day. I think Cole Palmer had to get hooked off in the end for Mudrich or something. But there you go. I think that one puts that one to bed. Absolute steal at 40 million or 45, whatever it's going up to. A really good day at the office yesterday for the team. Admittedly, I think there was about £230 million worth of talent on the bench for Chelsea and about £12 million worth of talent on the bench for us yesterday. Three goalkeepers. You've got Amadou Diallo, Alex Murphy and Michael Ndueni. Here we go. Uh, Making their debuts as well. Can't imagine we'll see much of them over the next couple of seasons. As I say, it's a victim of circumstance with so many players being out. But a really, really good performance overall and a good one to dust off the cobwebs and hopefully get us back on the right trajectory. In terms of other things around the match, obviously Murdad put a tweet out yesterday, today, can't remember. Almost like a G up for the fans in the stadium saying he kind of wanted to hear more from the fans. The players are putting everything out on the pitch. We need that 12th man. Almost insinuating that the support wasn't really there or that the feeling really wasn't there yesterday. Would you echo that having been in the stadium? Absolutely. The atmosphere was dead and you could almost hear a pin drop. And that's from both sides. I mean, we had a few chants from the Chelsea fans, but from the home support side, nothing until we scored after 14 minutes. I was just looking around the stadium and just like, what's going on? Like, this isn't St. James's Park. And it was a little bit disappointing, especially for it being a Premier League match at three o'clock on a Saturday. Everyone should want to be there. Everyone who's getting tickets now should want to be in the ground and want to be behind our team and making noise to show that. But for whatever reason, just didn't happen. And then again, after Chelsea scored, just shameful. <laughs> really, I don't like to use the word shameful, but we're renowned for being great fans, loyal fans, noisy fans, and it just didn't seem to be there yesterday. So I'm completely understand where Murdad is coming from. But I do think there's a few things about getting into the stadium at the minute, which may influence things a little bit because people have to stand in huge queues because of these digital tickets not always working and things. So maybe that's having a little bit of impact on it. But it shouldn't be any excuse for the 90 minutes of football, which we all pay money to go see and should be enjoying at this time. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it there, but that's kind of been a lot of the response on on Twitter and on social media is how we're supposed to create an atmosphere when it takes so long and it's such a pain to get into the stadium. You've got loads of tourists sitting in seats in the stadium. Obviously, the padded seat have just done that video about the new, what was it, £600 a ticket rooftop bar. Yeah, that's it. Do you want to keep a nice balance of like the, the feel of the stadium and the fans and the commercial aspect? I get we've got to drive the commercial revenue on but it can never be to the detriment or the sacrifice of the atmosphere in the stadium and on our day we are the best supported team i think in the world like you saw psg at home it's going to be hard to replicate that i guess every single game but you want to find a nice balance and a middle ground it would have been much worse if murdad had been coming out after a loss and saying almost like adelia smith where are you but um (laughs) It's good to be able to be in this position and ask for more from the fans, and I'm sure we will deliver on that. Having watched the the game legally at home, <laughs> yeah, it, it felt very flat, and I think, yeah, 
as, as Grace says, who was obviously there, it sounded like we were obviously finding our voice after the Isaac goal and the kind of sending off for Reese James. But my comparison was when I was at the PSG game, the home game, you know, it was just nonstop singing. Crowd were always on their feet, chanting, singing. So, yeah, it felt a bit flat. And as you say, I kind of understand that, yes, there'll be parts of the stadium that are there for commercial purposes. And I think I saw someone say that Peter Silverstone and the impact that he's had trying to generate more revenue for the club by creating all these plush boxes and stuff is kind of having an impact on the uh, atmosphere. I'm really sorry, but that is nonsense. You're talking about a few hundred seats. You're not talking yeah, about well, tens exactly, of thousands. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like I say, I've seen that and I thought, well, I don't really get it. I think the bigger issue is the, the balloting process and how tickets are distributed. You know, you see the tickets going on these third-party websites for 200 quid or something ridiculous. And then that starts attracting people who don't necessarily want to be at the match to support the team, but just are there as a tourist. I know it's a bit of a touchy subject, but I do agree with what Gray's saying. Like, it, it did sound like it was a poor atmosphere yesterday. Gray, you're fucking all about fighting with Ali today, aren't you? Love it, a bit of back and forth. I'm disagreeing with the statements he's repeating from other people. Yeah. Very political of you. I strongly disagreed about his opinion on Lascelles. I strongly disagreed with that. <laughs> I agreeing, but disagreeing with the comment you were saying. <laughs> If Jamal Lascelles was listening to this, then, you know, we want to keep his spirits high and say that, you know, he still had a good game yesterday. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, according to Graydon. But I think for me, in summary, it's finding that balance between driving revenue and maintaining atmosphere in the stadium. And War Flag's obviously been massive for us, but it's too big a responsibility for those guys to have to shoulder, especially as a volunteer force every time. So... Hopefully that little G up and that request from Murdad will have done its trick. As I say, fantastic day at the office yesterday. Haven't called them out because we don't have enough time, but Fabian Cher was excellent yesterday. I think I put in the WhatsApp group that he's possibly one of the most underrated centre-halves in the league. And who knew he had a left foot rocket as well? Oh my God, if that goal had gone in, we could have been up there with another one of the goal of the season contenders. Goes on these mazy little runs, great with a ball at his feet and costs us, what, four million quid or something? hugely underrated for us and Eddie Howe to get the best out of him has been fantastic. Tino Livramento goes from strength to strength. I thought he was a bit iffy in his first game when he was playing left back and I'd called for Trippier to be at left back for this game but Tino didn't let us down winning all the balls really good on that left hand side with Gordon and Joe Linton fantastic and I thought Miggy went under the radar but had a really strong game as well. Ray I don't know if you agree haven't been there but he wasn't the centre of attention, but he just did everything he needed to do. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And the only player in my eyes who made, well, a couple of mistakes were Pope and Lascelles. Apart from that, everyone else almost flawless. I mean, just got to touch on Tino Livermento, his game management at the end. He just managed to find space so well for ball. And he just seems to be so switched on and just another level to some players we've had previously. Fantastic for a 21, 22-year-old. I mean, he's got such a mature footballing brain what an understudy to Kieran Trippier we've found with him. Absolutely amazing. Probably it for Chelsea, but uh, coming up, we should probably move on to our predictions, shouldn't we? A bit rusty since we've had two weeks off enjoying ourselves on holiday and whatnot, but there you go. This week, another packed fixture, so we're straight into the thick of it with, I think, PSG away on Tuesday. Yeah. Yep. 
how are we feeling for that one? I definitely think coming on the back of a 4-1 win against Chelsea, we'll be going in with a good mindset into the PSG game on Tuesday. Not enough time to turn it around. Obviously, in there, we'll be travelling. Thankfully, it's not far. But I don't know if PSG played or won this weekend. But I can imagine Park de Prince is quite a difficult place to play for anybody. I'm going to say a 1-1 draw on, on Tuesday night. Yeah, I'm going to go for 1-1. Nice. Well, they played on Friday, just to answer your question, and they won 5-2 at home against Monaco. Oh, bollocks. Yeah, which doesn't <laughs> bode well. Gonzalo Ramos got one, Mbappe won, Dembele won, Vitinha won, and Randall Colo Muani won as well. So mm. goals from all over the pitch. Yeah, I think I did see, though, that they do have a couple of injuries at the minute as well. So it may not just be us going into this game with a couple of key injuries, because it sounds like they've not got Marquinhos and that Zane Emier, they're 17, oh, yeah. 18-year-old wonder kid as well, who assisted the goal when they played us at St. James's Park. Yeah, however, they do still have Kylian Mbappe, one of the best players in the world, so Real. let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Gray, what are, you, what are you thinking for PSG? They're going to have a real bee in the bonnet as well over what happened at St. James's, so he'll be out to make a bit of a statement against us, I think. So I'm not quite as confident in giving our injury crisis I think it's going to be a bit too much for us so I'm going to say probably 2-0 to PSG Oof. I think it's probably a fair assessment I'm going to be ever the voice of reason they really struggled to score against us I get it was a different team and it was at St James's Park in an absolute cauldron but I have hope for our defensive record so I think we're only going to concede one and I think Anthony Gordon might pop up with another goal so I'm going to go 1-1 away and before we go as well, given that we probably won't be recording until after the Man United game next weekend, we should probably do our Man U predictions. So Ali, you can kick off first with your score predictions for Manchester United at home next weekend. I think we will win 2-0. I feel quite confident. Yeah. I have been catching like some highlights of the game that they're currently playing now. And I don't know whether just Everton are really shit still at the moment. Yeah. Man United are made to look very good at the moment. But I do think when they come to St. James's Park, I think we'll have them again. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go 2-0 against United next weekend. 2-0 United. Grey, obviously we smashed them 3-0 at their place in the round of 16 in the AFL Cup. What are your thoughts ahead of the game at home? Again, I think they're going to be coming out of it. There's a point to prove, but this time I think we're just gonna, again, just going to be too, too good for them, especially at home. And I'm going to go for a piece of that 3-0 scoreline. Whoa. Indeed. Interesting. Don't know what happened to my voice there, but we'll move <laughs> on swiftly. I'll round it off with a 1-0 victory at home against Man United. Only one goal at home. Well, Which yeah. Newcastle teams have been watching. I know, I know, I know. I'd be happy with a 1-0. As long as we win, I don't really care, but I'll put my neck out and say 1-0. Um, right, I think that probably just about rounds us up. I haven't done any of the midterm breaks or the socials, so we'll have to do those next time around. <laughs> Sorry, Haji. Yeah, Soz Hodge, he'll be so angry at us, but there you go. <laughs> He's usually sending his really aggressive texts on the WhatsApp chat, but uh, not this time, monsieur. Right, all that leaves us to do now is say thank you all very much for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Bye-bye now. Uh, au Bye. Bon chance. <laughs> oh, me lads, you should have seen us coming. Passing the books along the road. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.